the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 850-BABY. W262-CP. Bayonet Point. WTBN. Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. You may not understand what God's doing in your life. You got it all planned out, and it's not going the way you you planned it out. You may not understand what God's doing at this point and uh, why it appears that everything is falling apart in your life. But you have to come to grips with the fact and the truth that God has brought about these circumstances and that he's in control. And that what you may think is best may not be best. When our plans blow up in our faces, we sometimes sarcastically say, That went well. God never does that. Why? Because his plans never blow up in his face. His plans always work out just as he intends. As a Christ follower, I never really forget that. But there are times, and this happens to all of us, when the troubles around us grab our attention and we begin to fear for our future. As we've been studying the life of David these past weeks on Verse by Verse, we have seen what a courageous young man he was. Yet even David succumbed to fear. Verse by Verse is a Bible class of the air taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been there for over 27 years, applying the Word of God to everyday situations in which we find ourselves. At Verse by Verse Ministries, we are privileged to adapt those messages to broadcast format. If we want to overcome fear, the first thing we need to do is learn what causes it. We have learned a great deal so far from David's strengths. Now, let's see what we can learn from his weakness. Get your Bible and notepad ready because our class is about to begin. We've been studying the life of King David the Old Testament wonderful character, and our focus has been really on David's spiritual strengths, and he had many. That's been our focus. What what have been some of his spiritual strengths? He was a great man of faith. He believed the Word of God. He meditated on the Word of God. Uh, We see a strength in in the fact that uh, when he killed the giant Goliath, he did it because he was concerned for God's honor. Above all things, he risked his life because of the glory of God and his concern for God to be honored. Uh, We also have focused on his humility, uh, seen in the fact that this was a great man, a great man, an incredible poet, incredible warrior, and yet unnoticed by his father, unnoticed by his brothers. Uh, His godliness just went unnoticed by his family. We also have seen his obedience to the will of God. We've seen his devotion to the Lord. And so we, we, we really have focused on that. No wonder God calls him above all people in the Bible, a man after his own heart. But that doesn't mean that David was without his faults and out, without his sins. And as 
as 1 Samuel chapter 20, and you need to turn there, as it opens up, David has been, and we're just picking up where we left off last time, David has been the target of Saul's wrath. Remember the story that after, after David slew the giant, uh, the women of Israel, the men of Israel esteemed David uh, even greater than Saul. And they said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. And Saul was an insecure, ungodly, uh, small-hearted, petty man who was very jealous. And so uh, he became very much disturbed. And in his wrath, he tried to kill David. First thing he did is he hurled the spear at David. He missed. When he failed, what he said is, I'm going to promote you, David. You're going to be in charge of the troops fighting the Philistines. Now, it really wasn't a good promotion because his desire was that David would go out in front of his troops and be killed by the Philistines. When that didn't work, he, uh, he, he ordered some of his men to assassinate David. And they went to his house, but with the help of, of his wife, David escaped, and now he's on the run. He's a fugitive from Saul. And it's at this point, as David is on the run, that we begin to see the first spiritual flaw in David's life. He's afraid of losing his life. He's afraid of dying. In fact, he's fearful of dying at the hands of Saul, and his faith in God is faltering. The same man who took on Goliath and told Saul, "I've, I've killed a bear, I've killed the lion, I'm not afraid, I trust in the living God, was afraid of Saul. Now let me say this to put it in perspective. Bible characters were real people. They were not stained glass saints who had uh, uh, no problems and no sins. They were real people with some really wicked sins. Moses, the lawgiver, murdered an Egyptian. And then to top it all, I would try to hide him in the sand and, and cover it. Abraham, the man of faith, lied on a number of occasions, said, Sarah is my sister. Lied. Isaac lied. Jacob lied. He was a deceiver, deceitful individual. Aaron built a golden calf. You see, one of the, one of the proofs that the Bible is indeed the word of God is this. If men had been the sole authors of Scripture, if they had been the, the ones who had just written the Bible without inspiration, they would never have told on themselves. They would never have said all these negative things about themselves They would have been the greatest heroes without any faults. But the fact that that there's honesty and accuracy saying these guys did wicked things is one indication that the Bible is indeed the inspired word of God. So David had had a problem with, with fear. His faith was faltering. And I wonder if you can relate to David. I certainly can. In the past, you've trusted God. You not only have trusted him for salvation to save you for all of eternity, but you've trusted him in life. You've trusted him going through some difficulties. You've trusted him to take care of you. But circumstances right now don't don't look too hot. They don't look very good. And at this moment, little by little, you notice that your faith in God is being replaced by fear, by doubt, by confusion. You've kind of lost the divine perspective. And you don't have to be chased all over Israel by a a wrathful king to, to know what fear is. We all struggle at times with fear. Some of us more than others. In other words, whereas once you had faith in God to protect and care for you and God was going was to watch over you, now you're afraid of what the future holds. Now you're afraid of people. Now you're afraid of things. Now you're afraid of circumstances. And uh, you have slipped in your life. And that's where David's at. And that's what we want to learn from 
uh, in our study this morning. This is where David's had in chapters 20 through 21 of 1 Samuel. It's the decline of faith and the rise of fear. But as we follow David's lapse of faith into fear, we're going to be encouraged because we're going to see that David came back to faith. And that's the great hope. You can too. And we're going to see how this all, all develops. Get back to faith in God. So with Saul's pursuit of David as our background, we want to discover this morning, and I encourage you to take notes on this because you're not going to remember. Write it down. I encourage you to do this because we're going to discover several principles about our faith uh, and how we can lapse into fear and then return to faith to where it should be. So the first thing you want to look at concerning the principle of fear is the cause of fear. What is behind our fear? What is, what is the cause of fear? Let's, let's look in our Bibles. We'll begin 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 1 through 2. And we're not going to go through every single verse. It's a narrative. Uh, we're going to kind of flow through this and then tie it together. Verses 1 and 2. Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah. He had been, by the way, context is he had been with Samuel in Ramah. And he came and said to Jonathan, what have I done? What's my iniquity? And, where, and what is my sin before your father that he's seeking my life? And he said to him, far from it. You shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. So why should my father hide this thing from me? It, it, it's not so. As David is on the run from Saul for the first time, he meets with his friend and Saul's son, Jonathan. This is a meeting between best friends. And in this exchange between Jonathan and, and David, we, we begin to see a glimpse into David's heart that something is wrong. Notice in, in his uh, questions, questioning of Jonathan, you see that there's anxiety, there's confusion. He, he says, uh, what have I done? Tell me what I've done. What's my sin? What have I committed? What iniquity have I done that your father wants to kill me? Now, there's confusion there. There's doubt. He's lost his perspective. There's anxiety. He's nervous. He's upset. And Jonathan doesn't agree with him. He said, listen, you're worrying about nothing. My father doesn't do anything without telling me first. You're safe. Actually, Jonathan was naive about his father. David was right. Saul did plan to kill David. David was right. But he was not right in his attitude. He was only right in, in that he understood Saul a lot better than, than his own son did. Now, why is David so upset? Verse 3 tells us. Yet David vowed again. This is after Jonathan said, nothing to worry about, no problem. He, David vowed again saying, your father knows well that I have found favor in your sight. In other words, he knows that we're best friends. And he has said, do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is hardly a step between me and death. Now in this statement, David makes a remark to Jonathan that indicates what his real problem is. And it's this, he's afraid that Saul's going to kill him. He's afraid. He says, there's hardly a step between me and death. In other words, Jonathan, I really don't think you're right about your dad. Listen, I'm one step away from the grave. Your dad wants to kill me. So David's faith in God to protect him is beginning to slip. And it's going to continue to slip until David gets his eyes back on the Lord. Do you, do you see what's going on here? Is this the same David that said just a short time ago, who is this giant that he should defy the living God, that he should taunt the armies of the living God? This is the same man. It's hard to imagine but he's afraid 
of dying. This is the same man that said to Saul, you know, when I was watching my father's sheep and a lion came along and grabbed the sheep, I pulled it right out of his mouth. I wrestled that lion, I killed him. I also did it to a bear. This is a man now who's, who is afraid of Saul. Now, what is the cause of David's fear? And, and more importantly, as we relate this to our own life, what is the cause of our fears? Why do we get so anxious, so upset, so disturbed over difficult circumstances, even if it's not a madman chasing you all over the country trying to kill you? It, it's this, and you're going you're gonna to think, but that's so simple. But it's so true. Here's the answer. What's the cause of our fear? It's because we fail to trust God to care for us. We fail to trust God to care for us. Remember, as you think about David, remember, who is David? He's the man that Samuel, just a short time earlier, had gone to anoint and did anoint him and said, you are the chosen king of Israel. You're the next guy on the throne. Now, that's God's promise to David. David, why would you worry about dying when God has told you you're not going to die by Saul, you're going to succeed him? The answer is because David had forgotten this promise and was not trusting the Lord. Instead, he chose to focus on the horrible set of circumstances that he was in. David had forgotten that God had, had protected him against Goliath, against the bear, against the, the lion, all of that, and now he chose to worry and be afraid, and he didn't need to. He had a specific revelation from God. And even if he didn't have that revelation from God, he knew the character of God. You know, things really have not changed for believers in all of these years. We still are afraid, aren't we? We still get so into ourselves and fearful for the same reason that David did, a lack of trust in the Word of God. You and I, as New Testament believers, have been given the complete revelation of God. We have a lot of promises to fall back on. Everything that you could worry about has an answer in the Bible. Everything that you could worry about. For example, do you have monetary fears? In this world of, uh, of, of a lot of uh, money floating around to some people and a little bit to other people, uh, it can be a fearful thing. What about my, my future? Am I going to be able to retire? Uh, what happens if I'm left alone? How am I going to handle this? Am I going to go into bankruptcy? Are those who owe me going to pay me all, all this? Is my job going to be there tomorrow or next year, whatever? And yet the word of God tells us, you, you have answers to this. In Matthew, for example, in Matthew chapter 6, we'll not read the whole thing, but Jesus said in verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he'll hate the one and love the other or he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money and mammon. That is to say that, that you need to choose who's going to be your God. If you're going to worry about money and make it an idol, then you can't have God as your God. Because you can't have two gods. You can't have two masters. And then, and then Jesus went on to say, look, look around you. Doesn't God take care of the lilies of the field? Doesn't he take care of the birds? Of the you think that these creatures, God's going to take care more about them than you? He die, he's about to die for your sins, and he has died. Christ has died for your sins. He loves you. He's created you. You think that you don't mean as much as the birds to him? And then Jesus said in verse 31 and following, do not be anxious then saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or with what shall we clothe ourselves? In other words, don't, don't worry about your finances and how to take care of yourself. For all these things, he said, the Gentiles, meaning the unbelievers, the pagans, eagerly seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. So why are you worrying about them? But here's what you do. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. That is, put 
Christ first in your life. Obey him and don't worry about the, the consequences. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious for tomorrow. I mean, that is, that is a clear word from God. Could, could God put it any clearer than that? I don't think so. Don't worry about tomorrow. Why? For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Meaning God will give you grace for today. For the problems today. Don't worry about tomorrow's problems. When they come, God will give you grace for those set of problems. Just seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all the things that you need will be taken care of. That doesn't mean that you don't work hard. That doesn't mean that you uh, avoid human responsibility. It just means don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. How about this? You ever have fears of the future? What is the future going to bring? Uh, so many people worry about, about tomorrow. What if I get a job transfer? What if my spouse dies? What if there's illness in the family? Listen, our sinful minds have a very vivid imagination. Have you, have you noticed that? Very vivid imagination. But uh, what, what, if, what if we have to move? What if all, all these things? Or what if we just did move? And uh, I don't know anyone down here. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. Then you look at a passage of scripture like Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place where he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. When God initially called Abraham, he didn't tell him where he was going. He just said, leave Ur of the Chaldees. And it said, Abraham, by faith, trusted God. If God has led you here, God has led you to a new place or God will lead you then you obey and you trust him that God knows what's best. He really knows what's best. How about this? Fear of losing a loved one. How about fear of dying ourselves? Remember the same David who was so fearful now once wrote this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Even though death surrounds me, I'm going to trust you because you're with me. How about the fear of being alone? Uh, there are many who fear never getting married and live a life alone. And yet they've come out of families that uh, they see mom and dad who love each other and it's a warm family and they think, can I, can I live by never, never marrying? Uh, you can if that's God's plan for you because Jesus said, I'm with you always. You're never alone. Never alone. So there are many other fears that we face. But, but God has an answer to them. And what if you can't think of a specific verse in the Bible that answers your specific fear? Then you know what you do? You turn, as I ask you to do now, to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. If there's no specific verse that you can think of to relieve your fears, there may not be a specific uh, reference in the Bible to your specific problem, but you're really struggling with something, you're afraid, you're fearful, or you're worried, which is a... Uh, uh, a very close relative of fear. They get together often. They have parties together. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. One that we've heard so often, I'm afraid that, that we, don't, we don't really let it grip our hearts and meditate on it, how wonderful this, this verse is. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not, I repeat, do not lean on your own understanding. See, so you may not understand what God's doing in your life. You got it all planned out and it's not going the way you, you planned it out. You may not understand what God's doing at this point and uh, why it appears that everything is falling apart in your life. But you have to come to grips with the fact and the truth that God has brought about these circumstances 
and that he's in control. And that what you may think is best may not be best. And you can't understand it. And that's all right, because this verse says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. God is God. Isn't that profound? They pay me to say things like that. But God is God. He's in control and he has a purpose for it. And you need to believe that either either God is a liar or he's not. You need to trust him for that, that his ways are always right. Some of us get very concerned. We can't figure God out. It's got to go the way we think it has to go, because we think it has to go that way. God doesn't work that way. When he doesn't do what we think he should do, we get afraid. Because we've lost the perspective that God is sovereign, God is loving, and God is always right. I hope that you that registered with you. You know who, what character in the Bible lost that perspective? Eve. Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, it's a great passage of scripture. Remember Satan came and tempted Eve. I, w- I want you to see a pattern here. He came and tempted her. In chapter 3, verse 1, says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The first thing he did was he put doubt in her mind. First doubt. Has God really said this? And, and that's what we're tempted to believe. Is this really truth from God? Is this really what he has said? Maybe I misinterpreted. Maybe the Bible's not really the word of God. Maybe this isn't what God means. Maybe it applies to everybody else but me. First doubt. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the tree of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely, uh, you surely shall not die. First, there was doubt. Now there's denial. No, God may have said this, but you, but you will not die because God's word is not true. And that's how a temptation comes to us. Yes, I know it's in the Bible, but how do I know it's really true? How do I know the Bible? No, it's not true. It's not true. No, this isn't the way it is. And then notice what happened. Verse 5, Satan went on to say, For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know what he did? First he brought doubt, then denial. Now he destroys God's character. Listen, he's saying, God knows that if you eat, you'll be like him. You know what? God really doesn't care that much about you. He's holding something back from you. He doesn't want you to enjoy all the benefits of life. And I really think that's where some of us are at. We really don't believe that God has our best interest at heart. And it's because we're not trusting him, that he's sovereign. We think if, he's, if he goes off on a plan that doesn't fit our plans, we, we don't trust the Lord. We really don't believe that God has our best interests at heart. He's causing me to miss out on something. He's causing me not to, to do what I really most enjoy doing. And so we get fearful and we take matters into our own hands. So the word of God to us says, stop leaning on your own understanding. What seems best to you may not be best. You've trusted Jesus Christ. Most of you have, have trusted Jesus Christ alone for your eternal salvation. Can't you trust him in life? Don't be like David. Your eyes are off the Lord, fearful, 
afraid that your life is going to be taken because you're not trusting God. If it's God's will that, that David's life was to be taken or your life is to be taken or something's to happen in your life, then it's God's will. His will is most important and he'll give you the grace for everything. So what is the cause of fear? It's simply a, a lack of trust in the Lord. You've got to remember and get back to who is God. The Almighty knows what's best. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue this message from the life of David. For over 27 years, Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These broadcasts are an extension of that one verse at a time teaching ministry produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of listeners like you. To participate financially, you can visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click the support link near the top of the page. Whether or not you are able to team up with us in this way, we do hope that you will pray for this ministry and the staff. We invite you to check out the various resources to be found on this website. The address again is versebyverseradio.org. You can order a CD or cassette with this message by calling us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a phone number, and we will call you back during regular office hours. I have read that surveys indicate most people base nearly all their decisions upon fear. I would add that most people base their behavior on fear as well. There is no worse foundation for our decisions and Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.